Hometown Ghost Stories contains serious and often distressing events and is not intended for all audiences. Listener discretion is advised. This week on Hometown Ghost Stories, a small Tennessee town has been trying to cover up a dark secret for over 100 years. A serial killer lived among them and even killed his entire family before taking his own life. Upon arrival, the police would find the bodies of the family, plus many, many more. Since that day, a sinister presence and ghostly happenings have occurred on the property. Is this a typical paranormal haunting, or is something more demonic occurring at the old plantation? This is episode number 75 of Hometown Ghost Stories, Talbot, Tennessee. Georgia walked around the restaurant, cleaning up after a busy night of work. Her co-worker that normally closed with her had to go home sick, so she was stuck there, alone. She had never been in this place by herself before and internally realized it was much scarier than she had imagined. The stories of the old house, which was now a restaurant, had been prevalent since she was a young girl. Supposedly, a tragedy happened where a man killed his family before killing himself. There was no real record of this, just local lore, and many dismissed it. Still, that didn't help under the dim lighting in the old kitchen. The stories of the hauntings in the place were another thing that she began to think about. Co-workers had claimed to hear voices in places of the restaurant that no one else was. They said that these voices were mostly of an old man murmuring phrases that they couldn't quite make out. And others had talked about hearing footsteps and feeling like a pair of eyes watched them as they moved throughout the creaky old restaurant. Georgia took a minute to take a deep breath and compose herself to finish the task at hand. While standing there, she thought about how she would just leave and come in early to finish up, but her boyfriend Derek had dropped her off and told her that he'd pick her up at 10.30 sharp. She stared at the clock. 10.10. Great. 20 more minutes in this place alone, she thought to herself. She began to power through and get the place ready for the breakfast crowd when she heard a crash from the other room. Her eyes shot wide open and she shouted out, Hello? Derek? Is that you? But no answer. She took a step into the dining room and immediately saw the source of the noise. A pair of glass salt and pepper shakers were smashed on the floor. Georgia was a bit alarmed, but figured that they had just been too close to the edge of the table. She went to get a broom and dustpan, and as she entered the janitor's closet, she began to hear a low, growl-like voice repeating a phrase over and over. As she stood and listened in complete terror, she felt a pit in her stomach of the like she had never felt before, and she listened to see if she could make out what the voice was saying. 
kill them first, the voice repeated in the low growl. Georgia didn't know what to do as she looked around the kitchen. She decided running to the main door and getting the hell out of there was her only choice. She gathered the courage, and as she started to run halfway to the door, she heard a yell unlike anything she had ever heard before. She quickly rushed to the door, but when she reached it, she couldn't get it open. As she struggled to wedge the glass door open, she began to feel heavy breathing on the back of her neck. She felt a sharp pain all of a sudden as the door swung open, and she tumbled out into the cool Tennessee winter weather. A pair of headlights approaching shined brightly on her face. Derek had parked the car quickly and ran over to Georgia, cradling her in his arms. She told him what had happened in the restaurant, and at the end of the story, Derek looked at her neck. My God, Georgia, there's a deep scratch on your neck, and it's bleeding pretty good, he said. Please, just get me out of here, she said back barely loud enough to hear. As they walked back to the car, they heard a growl come from within the house. They looked back and saw a pair of dark, barely visible red eyes staring back at them from the window. I'm Rob Coakley, and this is Hometown Ghost Stories, Talbot, Tennessee. Talbot, Tennessee, is an unincorporated community that sits in the northeastern portion of the state. An unincorporated community means that it's not run by a standard local government, but more so by a set of traditions, which will play heavily into the story we're about to tell. In fact, Hamblin County, where part of Talbot sits, only has one town that's not unincorporated. Our story starts with the formation of Hamblin County in 1870, It was named after Hezekiah Hamblin, and one of the men that helped Hezekiah Hamblin create this new county was Jeremiah Lexer. Jeremiah was born on June 6, 1826, and other than his birthday, not much is known about his early life. He would go on to own a massive plantation in the town of Talbot. Records indicate that he was an upstanding member of the community, again, being a vital member in the creation of the county. What people didn't know, including Jeremiah himself, was that he was living with schizophrenia and bipolar disorder, conditions that were being discovered during his lifetime, and treatment was virtually non-existent. In 1887, the sheriff of Hamblin County, J.F. Hayes, received a missing persons report. Although he did look for the individual that went missing, he quickly chalked it up to an accident somewhere in the Appalachian Mountains or possibly even some of the dangerous wildlife in the area. Shortly thereafter, another missing persons report would roll in, and then another, and they kept coming. Over the next 15 years, upwards of 100 people would go missing in the area. The police department would continue to write them off as freak accidents. Meanwhile, back at his plantation, as Jeremiah got older, his condition began to worsen. This would all culminate in July of 1902. Jeremiah would walk into his house with an axe. He then, one by one, would seek out his wife, son, daughter-in-law, and three grandchildren, 
who were ages 12, 8, and 4, and violently hacked them all to death. After killing them, he would return to each body and continue to hack limbs from them. As he did, he would take the blood and smear it on the walls, writing phrases that were illegible when the police finally arrived on scene. After he was done, Jeremiah went to the second floor of the house and dove headfirst out the window, plummeting down and breaking his neck. The police were shocked at what they came across at the plantation with the hacked family, but they had no idea what else awaited them. After checking the barn, they found the remains of somewhere around 27 more victims. And when they searched the fields on the property, about 30 more victims were discovered. When all was said and done, there's a chance that Jeremiah's body count could be somewhere between the numbers of 70 and 100. The police weren't the only people to come to the scene, though, however. Local government officials arrived as well. Upon seeing the massacre and bodies discovered, they were terrified, but not for the reasons you think. Instead of being terrified of the crimes, they were terrified of what might happen with the fallout. Fearing that people would leave the area and others wouldn't settle there, they formed a plan. Bribes were given to the police and local newspaper to keep what happened quiet. Soon, all the evidence gathered for the case would disappear. The local paper barely wrote anything on the deaths of the Lexer family, and the police reports that were written were sealed away for almost 100 years. In 1987, due to the Tennessee Open Records Act, a court determined the sealed files had to be released to the public. The problem is, there's very little information in these files. The property would sit for a while and eventually would be turned into a restaurant called The Attic. As soon as the place opened, staff began to complain about mysterious things that would happen to them in the building. Voices would be heard when staff members were in the place alone. And generally, those voices sounded like the ramblings of an old man. Footsteps could be heard, only for no one to be found in the vicinity that they were heard. Even for staff members that didn't experience these things, one thing always came up. The feeling of being watched by someone the entire time they were in the building. Eventually, the attic would close its doors, and a seafood restaurant would take its place for a while. Yet again, the staff would report all of these same occurrences to the owner of the building. One account during this time even had a staff member who swears they saw a pair of red eyes briefly staring at them from the other side of the room. In 2001, the restaurant would close down and the property would once again sit vacant. Until eventually, it was bought and turned into a haunted attraction called Frightmare Manor which it still operates as currently. Although curated to give customers a scare, the real hauntings haven't stopped. Staff members of the haunted house have reported the same things that were previously reported. And yet again, every encounter is said to have a sinister feeling behind it. The intense tragedy that took place on this old plantation could definitely be the catalyst for a haunting. But the question is... Was something more evil already haunting this property? Or was it something demonic? 
A town over from Talbot is Morristown, the only incorporated town in Hamblin County. Within Morristown sits the Bethesda Church and Cemetery. The church was built in 1835 on land donated by Joseph Shannon. After about 30 years of being used as a church, it would be converted into a makeshift hospital for both Union and Confederate troops during the Civil War. While caring for the troops, it was even a victim of a cannonball during a battle, having to build support on a wall to keep the building up. By the time the war was over, 82 unknown soldiers were buried in the graveyard surrounding the church. Shortly after, the church would also be used as a hospital for a smallpox epidemic. Ghostly activity has been reported at the church and graveyard, dating back countless years. Soldiers have been seen preparing for battle some nights, with the sounds of shots and cannon fire filling the air. Perhaps even scarier is when they're seen patrolling the outer perimeter of the cemetery, quietly walking and holding up lanterns. Shadow figures are seen frequently walking around the church itself. Visitors to the cemetery have felt an extreme tightness in their chest, making it hard to breathe. As soon as they step foot off the grounds, they begin to feel normal again. There is also a ghostly woman that has been seen in the far side of the cemetery. Visitors have come across her weeping, only for her to disappear when approached. When she appears at night, her cries are heard echoing all throughout the cemetery. What's going on, folks? Welcome into Hometown Ghost Stories, episode number 75. A little milestone episode for us, 75 episodes in. I'm Jesse Wilkins. I'm joined by Rob Coakley. Hello, Robert. I have figured out what to do with all of the money that has been pouring in through Patreon and the YouTube chat. I think we need to take it, organize a trip for Dave to go walk the Appalachian Trail by himself, and we see if he goes missing or not. I'd do it. <laughs> I'd give it a shot. <laughs> all of his former MMA training is actually surprisingly equipped to handle the Appalachian Trail all by himself. So um, they say. Joke's on you, Rub. Uh, we are also joined by a special guest today. We are bringing in the one and only Eric Bimefor. Rob, I'll let you intro him. Yeah, so we are bringing in Eric Bimefor from Roto Grinders and Spike Week. Here he is right here. And uh, Eric and me work closely together over at Spike Week as well as Roto Grinders. And he wanted to come on and talk about some ghosts and serial killers with us. So thanks for joining us, Eric. Yeah, I am obviously the novice of, of the crew, but I am also, I feel like a good representative of the chat and the people viewing the show because I am one of these people that am obsessed with ghost stories and serial killer stories and all those kinds of things. And so what you guys are doing is like right up my alley. So I'm excited to, you know, I'm going to listen to the experts, but I'm excited to participate about as much as I can. Do we also have experts coming on? 
I know. <laughs> <laughs> I know you had more guests in coming. My, in my line, in my line of work, Rob is a, a coworker of mine and also not an expert. So this will fit really well. I think <laughs> you know, it's more of the same. Yes, um, but this is a great one to have a guest on because I think you can look at this case with the limited facts that we have and draw 15 different conclusions as to what actually happened in this place. Because every time I would like think I knew what was going on, I'd see something else and it would take me down 15 different paths. And I'd be like, I don't know what to believe with this case. And I put it in the video and we'll talk about it. But one thing I hope people noticed is for the audio listeners, I'm going to describe it. There's a banner in front of the house, or at least there was. I'm not sure if they're still there, but it's from the historical society. And the historical society is telling the story of what happened there. So there, to me, leads a lot more credence to it not being complete like BS, right? If the historical society is getting behind it, then right, they're not just going to put their their name on anything. It has to be rooted in history, naturally, right? So I found that historical societies have a very hard time embracing facts that are ideas that they don't consider complete facts. So for them to back this up means it, it must be it must be like the collective thought around town is that it, it is a true story. Well, that's not the collective thought around town, and we'll get into it, but um, at least yeah. amongst the officials. Right. So it, it's just, it's a wild story. Um, did we introduce Dave? We just told him we were going to leave him on a trail in the woods. <laughs> we're also joined by Dave. Welcome in, Dave. <laughs> <laughs> I think we did. Thanks for having me. At least we talked to him. You know? yeah. Great to be here. Like talk to yeah. We can talk to live chat as well. Welcome to everyone who's hanging out in live chat. I want to give a huge shout out to Taco Violator who sent us these custom made wallets. You can't really see it. Obviously, if you're listening, you can't see it either, but they have the uh, hometown ghost stories engraving on them. And there's three of them, and I'm keeping them all for myself. So, yeah. Eric, you can have one if you want. But yeah, please. Uh, huge shout out to Taco for that. We appreciate that. And everyone else is hanging out in live chat. And uh, Irish Assassin, who I believe is streaming our stream on their stream. And we also got a couple donations. Captain McSlug's coming with $1.99 and a rare IPA that you've never heard of with a $2 donation earlier during the pre-show countdown. So thank you guys so much for your donations. We appreciate that. And um, yeah, it's a big help. And honestly, like these donations that we've been getting lately, they've obviously been a huge help. And it has helped us to book our next live investigation We'll be dropping more details about that in the future. But literally just from Patreon money and donations that we've got through YouTube, we have booked the next live investigation. It's a big one. So I'm excited about this. We'll be going out there end of this month. And uh, so thanks to all you guys that have donated and, you know, been subs on Patreon for so long. And this is, uh, this is the kind of stuff that you, know, you, is the you literally don't have to take your clothes off to try to get them to donate, Jesse. It's so, okay. you know, if you want to stop. donate, you know, I, might I, almost, donated. I almost, I almost <laughs> just donated. <laughs> Pants come uh, off next, Eric. What what um what Patreon sat, do we have? Yeah, I sat up real straight. I, I started to get it with the clothes started coming off, and I started. It doesn't matter almost. If, how high up you get. You can't see lower on the webcam. This is not this way. <laughs> so, I'll never know. Um, all right, so let's get into it. I came across this case. I knew Eric was coming on the show, and I was looking for something. He's close to to Alton, Illinois. I think your wife is actually. From from Alton, there, right? born and raised. Yep, crazy. Did she ever tell you any stories, real quick, about Alton? 
So it's funny you say that. We every single time we go to my wife's parents, mm-hmm. we drive by the uh, mental hospital, and I know you guys have done stuff on Alton, and it's fascinating. I don't know a lot about it, and so you guys' show helps me understand a little bit more uh, about what is you know the history basically of everything going out there, and I don't think that like even my wife or her family or everyone totally like you guys know more than they do. So uh, I just know that obviously having a good relationship with Rob, I've been like, dude, tell me about all these crazy places around St. Louis, you know, and all, like I said, I'm on the Illinois side of St. Louis. And so Alton is, is one of them. I've just been fascinated by like everything that's there's so much around this area that pertains to you guys show that I never would have ever guessed. And so I'm just like, I'm I'm pumped to be here to, this isn't totally my, my geological area or geographical, geological, whatever. Yeah. Close enough. This isn't my total area, but it's kind of uh, close enough. And you guys have done enough shows on the stuff that's around me that I'm like fascinated by this now. So my thought process, because I was looking for like Illinois or Missouri, something in that wheelhouse since you're you're in that area. And for some reason, I came across this story and I was like, okay, I'm going to back burner this one and I'm going to do it at a different time. I'm going to do something on Mm -hmm. Illinois or Missouri. And I couldn't stop thinking about it. And I was like, you know how I can tie this in? The company that me and Eric work for mm-hmm. is in Tennessee. So we are going to just do a Tennessee episode. And that's our that's the, that's the state we hung out in. So that's, that's where true. we're going. First, first time we met for all the live chat people. The first time Rob and I met was eerily close to this. So uh, we, we that was really the first time you guys met in person? In person, yeah. Oh, wow. Fun fact. Yes. And we had a blast. But uh, yeah, so like I was saying, this story, I kept coming back to it because I kept wanting to know more. And it's sort of frustrating because trying to find anything on this story, you are digging. I've never researched a story as much as I did for this week's episode. And I feel like I found crumbs to the story because everything was, if you believe what happened, everything was destroyed. They tried to bury this story and make it so that you couldn't get out there. They were settling it. If you were watching the video, you saw like an overhead of the town. It still looks like, you know, a new frontier. There's barely anything out there. So imagine what it looked like in the late 1800s, early 1900s. You're trying to get people to come in there for commerce reasons or whatever. And a, a story about an axe murder to a family might drive everybody out. They might be like, you know what? Screw this. We're not staying here. We're going back to St. Louis or we're going back to Chicago or we're going back to one of the cities where I feel like we have people around us. Someone can't just kick in our front door without our neighbors hearing and murder us with an ax. Um, except this one happened from a family member. What are the can odds I, can, that, go. what are the Sorry, odds? Dave. It's all good. What are the odds that this haunted house that is operational now just made this whole story up just to get asses in seats. That's what I thought in the beginning, like, because I couldn't find enough. It but did seem too good to be true. 
like the, if you look into this, it's got the haunted house and the haunted house is basically replaying this murder scene. Right. Right. That, but, that like, they, they have some of the most ridiculous things. I'm surprised you didn't jump too much into it, but they have like, so this guy jumped out the window to his death, right? Two story. That's how he, that's how he killed himself. And they have this thing now where it's like for an extra few bucks, you can also jump out the window that he jumped out. Of. <laughs> like, obviously you land on like a uh, inflatable safe situation when you land, but they do that. And they, they do um, one of the entrances to the haunted house is like through that window that he jumped out of or something. It's like, they, they play this thing all around this killing. So when I f- was first hearing that, and then there was also this story that really isn't, super corroborated and it's hard to find facts about it i was like it sounds too good to be true but then i mean that one screenshot that you had from the historical society i was like so it is true right i'm gonna it's easy to sell me on these things so i i do think that the killings obviously happened based on the historical society being behind it based on there being sealed records on it but everything else is scrubbed i know his birthday I know he's buried on the property. One thing that made me actually laugh on this story is they, um, on the website for, for it's called Frightmare Manor. We'll give them a free plug because we're talking about the location. Uh, it says dozens of people travel from all around the country to visit his grave every year. <laughs> just like, it's a small town, you know? What you just like, <laughs> they have one um, motel. What are they going to do? I'm glad you got 27 people to visit this grave last year from around the country. So next you're year, clearly not from a small town. That's a, that's how we that's how we promote from a small town. Next year we hope to have a couple bakers dozens. <laughs> <laughs> so that that killed me. Um, that killed me. But yeah, I, I was going down the same path. I'm like, this is all made up. I can't use any of this because. I think they made it up for the haunting. And then you find out there is some case notes. I was reading about someone that tried to get the case notes and the hoops that the government made them jump through to get them was nuts. And there's like nothing in them because all the evidence was burned supposedly and all that. So um, it's a convenient story. If you are trying to get people to believe this actually happened to promote your business, you know, it just, it is a little too convenient for me. To believe that it just so happens that all the records are also destroyed. Although it does make sense. Yeah. With, well, with, yeah. With what you're saying about the, uh, how they want to have people not be afraid to live in this town. Well, and I, I think that having Eric on here might be good for this because this doesn't happen around where we live anyways. I'm not sure if it happens around where you are, Eric, but this unincorporated town stuff, we don't really have that right around where we are. Um, and I've heard of this and I, Texas is a big thing. You hear about unincorporated towns and them kind of having their own quote unquote traditions and a couple other States. And they still have like government officials for the County, but they don't have their local government and they kind of like do things the way they want to do things. Almost. I'm sure that's changed a little bit in the more modern era, but I'm sure some of these towns are still like that. And in 1900, I think they could do kind of whatever they wanted. Do you have those no, around where you are, Eric? Definitely. In the Midwest, mm-hmm. wide open areas, there's tons of unincorporated areas that, I mean, they don't they don't have 
police officers. They don't have government officials. They don't have anything. And so I do see how it's easy to question those kinds of things, but it's also easy to see how, like, I mean, this is like, it's a borderline lawless area. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? And so it's very easy for these kinds of things to happen and absolutely no one to see it. So uh, it's definitely fascinating. Like I'm fat. Like I am a sicko. Rob sent me the story, what we were discussing this evening. And I read all kinds of stuff and now I'm fully engaged. And uh, I will say I quite, I am, I'm the type of person that questions everything just like you guys are questioning it too. Mm -hmm. But being from this area, kind of like you said, I think I might be a little biased to that exact thing that you just brought up. And I do side more with I'm, I generally side like on the side of things can be people doing what they're doing to make money. Mm -hmm. I'm not sure that this is that this is one of those. Right. Yeah. It is a, it is a pretty extreme story. It's really extreme. Yeah. Like, Look, we all and liars are liars and they'll they'll make up crazy extreme things. This is very extreme. Like this is <laughs> very extreme to make up for for like not that they're not gaining that much by making this up, you know. Right, right, right. So, uh first of all, thanks to Andrew for the $5 donation in super chat. We appreciate that. The comment reads just a little ghost symbol. So, thank you so much for for that Andrew. Um yeah, I think with a lot of these locations you it's much easier for them just to make up the whole, this house is haunted story, right? So if you go to a haunted house, that's actually a haunted house and they're doing the whole Halloween thing. That's like an added thing. It's like, well, this place is actually haunted too. Now me, I'd rather have one or the other, but Mm -hmm. for them to make up a whole, an entire family got murdered story. That's extreme. So you're dealing with maybe the town covered it up. I understand you don't want to make that your identity, it's been a uh, no pun intended. It's been a nightmare for Amityville, mm-hmm. right? So, so people just, that's the only thing people think about when they hear the town of Amityville is they think about the murders. They want to go see the house. They want to see the house with the windows so much that the owners of the house changed the shape of the windows because they were tired of people stopping by and taking pictures of the house, right? Yeah, they took the so windows I, out altogether. Yeah, so I can understand when a town doesn't want their identity to be this killing, but to pretend that like it never happened. That's an extra step. Yeah. I mean, just to go back to Amityville, maybe don't buy the house that that's famous at that point. <laughs> that was a sick. good point. <laughs> they went through leaps and bounds to, to make this house not be the house that it is. But they yeah. bought, I mean, And obviously, they, they probably got a good deal on it. That's why they bought it. And they're like, well, we'll just make it not look like it anymore. And who knows? It's actually a great thing to bring up, Jesse, because this is like the absolute juxtaposition of the two things you can do, right? You can completely change the house, the way it looks, and try to run from the hauntings, or you can be like, you know what? We're going to let people jump out the goddamn window and act like they dove head first and just killed an entire family of six. Like, that's the other extreme, right? right. Like, just letting them... If it is a truth... Now, I'm all in. I mean, we're all sick fucks here right so we're like oh let's do that can we do how soon can we do this after the murder but no the it is in bad taste i mean i'm all about it so i i I was thinking about this here here's here's a good discussion because i was thinking about like is this in bad taste and it's like well we make movies about this we make tv shows about this we talk about this on podcast where's the line for bad taste like like 
Well, is what in bad taste? Us talking about it or this no. haunted house leaning into a possible... <laughs> right. Well, that's what I'm saying. What I mean, you're doing everything for, you know, quote unquote entertainment value. We're generally interested in this, but you're you're marketing it as such. Where is the line? There is a line. And that they... they m- I, I'm on board. Like I said, I, I would go to this place. I would like to. This sounds awesome. It sounds like I would jump out the window. I would do that. I would do that thing. Yeah. Other people might not. Like if, if in Salem they had, now you can hang like the witch hung and, you know, like they they pretend to hang you like that would be in bad taste, right? So where's the line? Maybe there's a time frame. Maybe after a certain amount of time, it's okay to to do these kinds of things. I don't know. Like I said, I'm on board. I'm not offended by it, but... If it really is a murder case and it really is a, an entire family that died here, yeah. that's a sad story, man. There were kids. It's, it's a real sad story. The kids mm-hmm. were four, eight, and 12 years old. Yeah, it's an awful story. Yeah, it, I mean, that's terrible. But which would, be, which would be more distasteful, exploiting a tragedy that actually happened or inventing a tragedy that didn't happen to sell tickets? Hmm. Well, again, you have fictionalized movies that you're doing the same thing. So what is what? Are, where's that line? Mm. we're right. talking about a line, a line that we don't care we about don't, either because we're we like make, all we're all in anything so <laughs> who cares at this point let's just move on <laughs> we don't we don't make the rules uh eric would you jump out the window of the house 100 percent. i am terrified uh all right so i got excited when you at, you asked me a long time ago to come on the show but it's actually not because of the ghost aspect it's because i am like at a disgusting level obsessed with like true crime documentaries. So Mm. this was a total perfect segue, right? It's, it's, they're very relatable. It's almost kind of, I mean, this story in particular is like kind of the same thing. And so I would do all of that a hundred percent. I would do all of that, but I don't think when I was younger, I would have, I think I've grown into this level of sickness. Like, (laughs) you know, like, like, I've grown into the fact that I, I like, dude, if Netflix puts something out, if you guys put something out, if, you know, anyone puts something out about these crazy stories, I, I'm all in. I'm all in. So I would do, I would absolutely, like, oh, dude, I'm not going to die and I can recreate this absurd, you know, uh, basically, uh, doc, like I said, true crime documentary, which is where my, my brain goes to 100%. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm wondering if, if we paid them extra money, if we could just move the safety bag out of the way when Dave jumps, just <laughs> let him plummet. Now there's definitely a death here at the property. <laughs> <laughs> so, right. Make a, gonna, make, make a poster historical yeah. society. We need a new one. This is, this is, <laughs> so this is a second story window, right? We, yeah. That, okay. You won't die. The, you'll just, you'll just break your leg. It's okay. He, he jumped, he jumped head probably first. not. And I, I would say, yeah. So if he jumped head first, that's one thing. Still, if you're trying to commit suicide by jumping out the second story window and you're successful, you're very lucky. Yeah. He was also old. That's one wow. thing that I probably didn't give enough um, credence in the story is he was around 80 years old when he did this. Oh, okay. Then. Oh, so he could have jumped the- off the porch. He would have been done. <laughs> <laughs> Dave would have further. Donnie says Dave would have further to fall because of his condition. Oh Jesus! Patrick um, Slug says it would take multiple tries. As awful as it is, it's like we're horrible people for laughing about this. Like 
to see an 80, 80 year old man. Now this guy was a bad guy, right? Just killed his whole family. Just to see him keep jumping and going back and trying <laughs> again, trying again. Just <laughs> murmuring to himself the whole time. <laughs> just trying to, he's drawing up a new plan. Like if I jump at this angle, <laughs> this is not a good thing to joke about. Suicide is no joke, but you know, some people um, kill their whole families. And then I don't really care what happens to you after that. Yeah. Get them out of here. Yeah, exactly. Um, but yeah, it's just crazy. So we, the government cover-ups, like, I just don't understand. Like, I understand you want your town to thrive and everything, but how do you just go straight to, we got to cover this up? And the other thing I was looking for was newspapers, right? Like, well, the newspaper had to have written about this. Mm. And the problem is the newspaper of the time, I'm telling you, I researched the shit out of this story. I was in the Congre- the congressional archives for newspapers trying to find anything I could on the story. The newspaper that covered the town has been sold about six or seven times since this murder, these murders happen. So there's no records. They're gone. Like just completely gone. That's tough. Like none of their papers, not even just on this story. Like none of their papers exist for that time period. Okay. All right. Well, at least there's that consistency. Right. If that's what I mean. Like they, all of the, papers that reported on this serial mm. killer just gone everything else is still there <laughs> yeah <laughs> it no would, it's, it would seem much more like a cover-up if that was the case but i mean we're back to the old trope that we used to talk about every week which was record keeping at the time not great what year was this 1902 mm. how close was this to the Velisca killings time frame wise so they could have been happening at the same at the same time because we believe Velisca, the Velisca murderer, if it was the man from the train, started around 1900. Uh, mm. 1901, somewhere was his first killing in Southbridge. Uh, I believe it was Southbridge, Massachusetts. And so. I'm sure you looked into this, but this was around the same time frame. None of the MOs were the same. Were they back of the axe, anything like that? No, none of the MOs Probably were the same. Back. He like chopped up the bodies. like, And they also found what well, we haven't even talked about. They found a bunch of, they found 26 bodies in the barn. And then, like another thirty scattered throughout the property. That's what I was going to ask about. According to what, though? That's I need your takes on 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 that. Like, I'm not saying everything that happened with him and his family isn't crazy. Of course, that it is, Mm -hmm. and it's very sad. But like, there's also what upwards of a hundred other people that were potentially. But like, what does that mean? How how do you guys interpret all that? Well. The problem is, again, the records are shoddy and supposedly the barn stuff, I believe, is in the sealed paperwork. And I don't think it mentions anything in the of the stuff that were found on the forest. But so where where did the story originate from? Because it's not going to originate from sealed stuff, right? Unless did it get unsealed? Uh, well, yeah, I got unsealed in 1987 due to the Tennessee Open Documents Act, like I said, but to get those documents is still like a process. People have had to jump through hoops to get them, but they haven't really like posted the actual documents online. So mm. um, that's that's what we're dealing with. It's like, what is real? What's not? I think the family murder is definitely real. I mean, like we said, we have the historical society behind that. Um I think that they even mentioned the bodies in the barn or something like that, but the stuff on the property, we're not sure. And they even said that the bodies found on the property could have been from a native American um, burial ground or something like that. 
or I don't know. They, they said that oh. he might not have had anything to do with the ones that were buried on the property because it was scattered. So they don't know. If let's just say all of these killings are true. Let's say the bodies in the house happened. Let's say the bodies in the barn happened. I'd say if there's a bunch of body parts in the woods, probably him as well. I'm not going to say there wasn't a Native American burial ground, but I mean, you got a serial killer, more bodies, probably him. This wouldn't be the first time that we've heard a story like this. When we covered South Carolina a few weeks ago, there was that that quote unquote first female serial killer and they found bodies buried under their house. And that's kind of how that that um, term got coined for her. Mm -hmm. But the bodies were found to have nothing to do with her. There was, too old they were there for too long uh but this that didn't stop the story from snowballing so right. it does it does happen yeah how, it, yeah how often does that like how often is that everyone is connecting all these murders to this person how often does it happen that that's fluky or that these like you said we don't have records of we don't have good records to accommodate these murders anyway i everything you read about this person right as a as a, a novice looks like total serial killer um you know schizophrenic before that time before anyone knew what schizophrenia was and all that mm. H- how do you how do you start to diagnose that and how do and how do we get there cuz stephanie brought it up as well like what was he later later on they looked at the facts and decided he was a schizo or or what was the that, uh... that happens a lot so when you look at cases especially like demonic possession cases mm-hmm. where there were so many older cases that were people were, were you know they said that they were possessed by demons that people studying the cases now retroactively went back and looked at their symptoms and said oh no that's this or that's that that's epilepsy that's Tourette's so that's kind of what they, they do do that. They do retroactively diagnose things. People are always studying old cases and going back and looking at them to further. That makes sense. So, so not very much of an official diagnosis because obviously they can't talk to him, but more of a most likely this was schizophrenia type situation. I think yeah. so. I think there's certain cases where they are hundred percent sure what it was when they go back because they can access their records of what their physician had said at the time they said this this and this suggests this but now they can go back and say well no we know that this this and this suggests this mm. yeah i mean that 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 was one of the interesting things and it's still not an excuse for what he did obviously but it does lay credence to we we are still scratching the surface on mental health and how to make sure things like this doesn't happen I, I want to talk about the disappearances because I, I'm almost like on the side of law enforcement in the sense that they'd have disappearances come to them and they'd be like, this person's missing. And they'd be like, what do you want us to do? We live in the mountains. Like, where do you <laughs> want us to go look for these people? Right? Like, uh, so I'm almost like on side of law enforcement. I think that they, they show that they did try to go look for people as they could. But like, what are you supposed to do? In nineteen, you know, the late eighteen hundreds, in the Appalachian Mountains, well, they had dozens of people, and there's thirty six of them <laughs> in the barn. You're running out. You got to figure this out soon. <laughs> that's, that's fair. That's fair. Um, but it's just you can't go find these people in the Appalachian Mountains. We probably still have trouble finding people. We we hear stories all the time. Someone went missing in the in, 
on this mountain or in these woods and there's search parties looking for them. And a lot of the times they're not found, you know, and we're talking about people that were just like going out there with a lantern, like at, at seven o'clock at night, like that. Eh, Jim's still not near the road, I guess. So I'm going to go back to, to bed because I'm not going to get lost in that mountain range. Yeah, rightly so. Not That's not the mountain range you want to get lost in with your no. lantern. <laughs> no, no. I mean, they don't have hiking. I mean, it's just, it's, an, it's a nightmare. And who knows the wildlife? I mean, I don't want to mess... I'm I'm terrified of the ocean. I also don't want to mess with like a rattlesnake. All right, in we, the middle. Can we elaborate on that real quick? Ocean not touching this state. I don't trust the seafood place that went in there. <laughs> yes, <laughs> we live on the coast. We live close to the yeah. ocean. Seafood is very good out here. Very trustworthy. I won't even trust a seafood place that's like a few miles from the ocean. Never mind with a whole state in between. A very long why you, state. Why are you doing the um, YMCA while you... I, that was my you, description you, of America. You definitely did the YMCA, and I'm also triggered <laughs> by the fact that I'm apparently not allowed to eat seafood because I live no. in the in the Midwest. You're, allowed, you're allowed to eat it. You're just not allowed to enjoy it. Right. You're, <laughs> also, not, you're also not allowed <laughs> okay. to invite okay, us that's to seafood dinners. Yeah, exactly. State. Yeah. Look, there, yeah. there are certain places, things you can't eat in certain regions of the country, Eric. I wouldn't eat seafood by you, no offense, but... I wouldn't eat barbecue here. I was just gonna say if you if you tout barbecue where you guys are from, I don't want to hear it. Like I don't no, want to hear it. No, we're not a barbecue place. It sucks around here. You know what I had recently Dave around ta- here? Dave is taking personal offense right now because he cooks phenomenal barbecue. I, yeah. I, I'm Eric sure it's fine, Dave. I'm, <laughs> I'm sure it's fine. <laughs> I'm sure it's fine. It's just like going and eating shitty seafood where I'm from. I'm sure that it's totally it's totally fine. <laughs> the difference is the difference is we can get cows here. And pigs, yeah, exactly. no problem. Fresh, you cannot get fresh seafood where you are. There's no way to do it. I mean, that is a compelling argument. Wow, they, op- they opened I, a um, I have I'm done, I'm done, I'm done. on a I'm nuclear done. reactor. If you guys want me to go over them, <laughs> Jesse no? just pulled out right. a phone book. <laughs> Um, the only one left. <laughs> we'll put a button on this, but I just want to say that they opened a hot chicken place close to where I live. Oh boy! And I was I was excited. So after going to Nashville and having great hot chicken, and uh, I tried it, and as I ate, I'm like, oh, this is okay. I'm like it's fine because I was I was having that craving, and then I had it again. I'm like, this is absolutely terrible. This is nothing like the Nashville hot chicken, and I'm offended that I ate this twice. So that's my, the point is certain regions of the country, you eat certain foods. Yeah. Brennan brings up their ghosts, cat, catfish ponds everywhere. That is not a sea. That is a pond. There is a big difference. Yes. Um, and speaking of ghosts, Eric, we should talk about the ghost at this location because probably a good idea because it's, it's a real hard one to, to elaborate on because it is a haunted house now, like a, like a made up haunted house. So the people that are going there as like customers, they're never going to experience the ghost because they're already supposed to be experiencing things that scare them. So you're going to chalk everything up to the haunted house, right? So we have to go based on the stories of the old restaurants that were in the place and of the staff members 
that are working in the haunt and experiencing things while they're there by themselves or with one or two other people. So it just makes the whole situation really difficult to, to cover. How unique, how unique is that for you guys covering these? Like how unique is it that it's really, it's so hard to cover because you can't get any real tangible information. Well, I do wonder if they have some, some stuff off season where you can go do like an actual paranormal investigation. Have you found out anything about that, Rob? I didn't see anything on that, but it's possible. My, what I would say, the reason is it's unlikely <laughs> is <laughs> that's good. Love a squash's comment says it hometown. Eventually we will talk about ghost stories. <laughs> Pretty it's much. Really every week is um, from the haunted houses that we've talked to, we've talked to some owners of haunted houses. Me and Jesse even got to be in a haunted house one time. And with these locations that are doing these haunted houses, a lot of times they are building them the entire off season. The entire off season is deconstructing and constructing new haunts because people are doing it in their spare time or whatever. So in order to have an actual investigation, I bet would be difficult to actually schedule. What do they have? Like maybe a month, maybe two, if they're lucky to do such a thing, because otherwise it's probably dangerous to be on the grounds as new set pieces are being built. Could be wrong on that. I didn't totally dig into it. But that would be my theory on what That's why just, they don't. It seems to be the story with most like good haunts, right? Mm-hmm. Where they basically need to completely switch it up because if people come back back to back years and it's the same thing, they're going to stop coming. They're like, well, that's the same thing every year. I'm not going to keep doing that. So they really got to switch everything up. All the rooms are going to be different. It'll be a whole different theme every year with most of these places. And so, yeah, you're right. I think a lot of their time in the, there is no off season for these folks. Obviously they're not open for business in the winter or whatever, but they're going to be redoing the whole thing. But what I did like about the stories that I did find on this place was the consistency because we always talk about consistency and the stories from both restaurants, as well as the people that have worked in the haunts, the haunt and told their story. It's all consistent. It's, it's the uneasy feeling. I don't think that the family that was murdered is haunting this place. I think it is only, I think it is only either Jeremiah Lexer or something much more evil that haunts this particular place. Well, let's just say all these stories are true. Something evil could easily be born out of this whole situation. Right. Especially if it was all happening on site. Go ahead, Dave. Or could have caused it. So if there's some, so Rob mentioned at the end of his intro video there that it could have been something demonic. If that's the case, it could have been there for thousands of years and caused Jeremiah Lexer to lose his mind or potentially have lost his mind. Maybe he was possessed. And let's mm-hmm. go with the theory that maybe the burial ground out back in the forest was a Native American burial ground. You go disturbing that if they're doing some sort of a police excavation and they're trying to find more bodies, more bones, you go ruin, you know, disturb that whole land. Who knows what you just conjured up? So there's a lot of moving pieces with this whole case. And kudos to you, Rob. I, I would have looked at this whole thing and be like, I don't know if it's real. There's a haunted house there. There's a bunch of question marks. There's no documents. I'm throwing this entire case out the window i'm going back to chernobyl for part two (laughs) (laughs) but (laughs) but i think it sort of is the essence of our show where we are hometown ghost stories and even if this were to if we were able to find out in the future that this was all fake right 
it is still a hometown ghost story. This is still like what, if you look up Talbot, Tennessee, you'll find like four houses for sale and you'll find Jeremiah Lexer because there's nobody that lives in this town. And the only thing that they are known for is this particular story. I understand that's what they were trying not to do, but real or not, it is what this town is. It is the hometown ghost story of Talbot, Tennessee. So you're telling me all four houses in this town are up for sale? All four of them. <laughs> wow. You, you could you could buy them. You could turn one into a seafood restaurant, one into a hot chicken place, and uh, two more seafood restaurants. Boom. <laughs> <laughs> Be thriving. <laughs> and you're just gonna you're just gonna own the area, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, food monopoly. Yes, food monopoly. But yeah, the hauntings are all tied back to what I found terrifying. The red eyes don't scare me so much, I guess, unless I saw them. Probably shit myself. But the ramblings, like hearing the voices, because that's something that I've experienced before. But hearing like demonic ramblings of a man, like an old man growl, like a growly voice. and You don't know where he is in the house. That scares the shit out of me. I wonder if some of the consistencies with the haunted house haunts was like every time I walk by the clown, it goes biggity, 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 biggity. You know, like the motion sounds once. Every time. I don't know. If, is that the noise clowns make? Biggity, biggity, biggity. I don't know. Oh, if we get enough money on Patreon, we can send one of us to clown college and we'll figure it out. <laughs> That's good. Or we'll just buy one of those Halloween decorations hanging behind us. We could do that too. Uh, what are your guys' thoughts on the hauntings in this place? It sounds like kind of your run-of-the-mill hauntings, ex- except for the two that you just mentioned with the glowing red eyes and the growling sounds. These are both things that could be tied to the demonic. So I do wonder if there's something a little bit more evil there. But other than that, you get your typical stuff, knocks, footsteps, doors opening and closing, people hearing whispers and stuff. But the red eyes and the growl, that's something that I would be concerned about. Hmm. Dave. I think it's uh I think that this is the haunted house leaning into very much leaning into the the lore and the legend of the town, you know, to exploit it. Mm. Well, the demon doesn't agree with you and he's messing with your internet connection right now. <laughs> That's right. Why don't you have something nicer to say and then maybe your connection will be good. <laughs> Eric, what are your thoughts? I, I was gonna say my thoughts are I, I keep being tied to the uh like schizophrenia aspect not because of any belief about um whether this person was or was not schizophrenic and bipolar and right you read everything back and that's the consensus is this person was schizophrenic had by mm-hmm. was had a bipolar disorder and all that and I, I just keep going back to that and thinking about is that a justification or is that you know, how, how does that all like nowadays that's everything. Anytime something like this happens, there becomes some kind of mental illness. And, and I'm not saying that people aren't dealing with mental illness nowadays, but trying to retroactively fit those kind of illnesses to a person back then, is that us justifying, right? The whole point of this show, like, is that us justifying these 
these things that have happened. And I, that's what I can't wrap my head around. I can wrap my head around everything. Obviously, I listened to all of Rob's intro. I've listened <laughs> to you guys. I can't wrap my head around the mental illness part of it's, it. And, and so that, that's that, my struggle. Yeah, it's interesting that you bring it up. And I don't think they're trying to make excuses for him. I think they're probably saying that, you know, this is the kind of stuff he was dealing with. However, if we're going with the theory that there could be something demonic here, those are things that, like a, a lot of times, are tied to demonic possession. Right. So it's like a parallel, go, right? It's a, it, it's it's an it's an easy parallel. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So should we go down this road? Do you think there's a possibility that he was possessed? I mean, I think there's a possibility. We've talked about why it why it could potentially be happening there, and there's also no rhyme or reason. We've talked about where some possessions have taken place, and it doesn't even make like. There's no reasons for it in terms of reasons for us. And as Dave brought up, something demonic could be there for a thousand years. And then you just built in the wrong spot, right? You just built a house where you shouldn't have built this house. And there was no way for you to know until you got 36 bodies in your, in your ground on the grounds of your house and 26 more in the, in the barn and you're jumping out the top floor window seven times to try to kill yourself. Mm-hmm. And what if it's a combination? What if, what, what if, what if you are like humans can be predisposed to some form of mental illness or just, uh, you know, bad people, right? Like yeah. that, that exists. It, it doesn't have to be just mental illness or just demonic, you know, right. possession. It, it, there, there can be like this hybrid or a combination thereof. And so I feel like we try to cover it with, it has to be by, that's just how the world works. Right. It, it, but it doesn't have to be that way. That that's not how the world works. Right. Yeah. I, I think maybe having those illnesses could have opened him up to being more susceptible to being possessed as well, to your point. Right. Because you're already, you're already having some sort of weakness happen within you that is easily exploitable. So. Right. And you see different kind of like, we're going to talk about the Dybbuk on Friday because we're going to talk about the Dybbuk box, but the Dybbuk is a Jewish ghost that in the early days, they believed that it would attach itself to people who were already sick. So mm-hmm. whether it was a mental illness or physical illness or something like that. So it would prey on the, the weak basically. And yeah. it would, it would aim for people like this and then it would attach it to them. There was other reasons as well. Like you had to maybe commit some sort of a sin that you hadn't really told anybody about, but it would specifically aim for the the sick people. So, it, I mean, we're all just popping out theories here and, you know, we don't even know if this guy actually killed anybody, but weighing on the side that it did happen and siding with the historical society, which we like to do, you know, these are all possibilities. How many people, like if you guys had to guess about that, there's just rumors everywhere of upwards of a hundred people that this, this guy killed. What, what is yeah. your gut? What does your gut say? about what actually happened with this guy. I don't think he got to a hundred. That's just such a large number. It's a big number in a, in a a really tiny, tiny town. It's and I just can't imagine that. I would say if it's true, if there were bodies in the barn, maybe he got to 25, 26 with the family. If he was, I don't want to say quote unquote lucky, but like if he was really active, because it's it's 15 years is a long time and people can go disappearing and, you know, the mountains. But God, that is that's a lot for your family not to figure it out, 
you like you have yeah. to run pure how long to not get caught even where he was in the time frame yeah. that he was there how long can you keep 26 bodies in your barn before the whole town smells it i don't Let's buy find out. <laughs> i don't buy the serial killer story I, I mean obviously him killing his family that's enough so i i believe that he probably killed his family i think it was a legit story i don't think there were i don't think there was anything in the barn i bet that was added by the haunted house just to build their barn attraction and i think maybe the things in the wood was probably nonsense as well it's hard to tell we don't know what the true story is but my gut tells me that probably the most of the story is embellished but i do think he probably killed his family Bad i guy. think that's probably accurate as well exactly I mean, Dave, where, where are you at on this uh, I think if I'm going to land somewhere, it's right there with you guys. He's probably not a serial killer, but maybe killed his family. It checks out for other stories that we've heard of, you know, people taking out their family. Like it, it all adds up towards that. I don't know. I, I think it is possible that he was taking out other people. I just think more the most likely outcome was that he just took out his own family. Yeah. Is there a middle ground or, or were these other people totally made up? and fictitious these other murders or was there something actually ha- right like mm-hmm. something actually happened and they just latched on to this guy because it was a very convenient story but that doesn't mean it didn't happen you know what i mean the yeah. whole story is cr- is just crazy because you don't really know exactly what happened but like there's so many levels to it that it's impossible to figure out yeah i mean i would love to dig into the actual records and stuff but in order to get them it would be a process like like a crazy process and i i hope someone goes out and makes like a legitimate documentary on this at some point they should um to uncover all the actual facts we can uncover and just get us a little bit more clarity on the situation i'm um, sure we did we did just make a legitimate documentary on it rob don't that's that's <laughs> short, short. short i did no. i mean i am great do we want to talk about, I mean, I think that kind of puts a bow on the Jeremiah Lexer house. Do we want to talk about this cemetery that I found as well in the town over in Morristown? Let's jump yeah. into it. So because there was a lack of information on the Jeremiah Alexa story and I wanted to add a little bit, I went to the only incorporated town in the county, which still baffles me. I, I, I just don't understand how how this stuff works but each place in the country is different and this this church slash cemetery is really really interesting like like i said in the video it's it was a church that got converted into mostly a confederate soldier hospital but it said that there were union soldiers that went there as well by the end of the war they had 82 bodies buried there that which which town is this fracture pdq is asking on twitch uh, Morristown is the Morris one. Morris or Morris? M O R R I S T O W N. Okay, okay, okay. Yeah, Morristown. Um, so it's the Bethesda Cemetery. There's 82 unknown soldiers buried in it. As soon as the war ends, they get the smallpox outbreak there. They have to use that as a hospital for smallpox outbreak. And the ghost stories, there's sites that I use to check on like um, some of the stories behind the place and people are allowed to comment the amount of comments that are left on this cemetery among a few different sites with their people telling their own ghost stories of it is one of the more fascinating places I've ever seen doing while doing this show. 
Uh, Ambry Rose drops nine ninety nine in super chats as hometown ghost detectives. Thank we you so are. much, Henry. We appreciate that. And yes, I should have worn my fedora for this episode. <clears throat> yep, yeah, we sorry. are. Nope, nope, nope. <laughs> Weather observers, nope. meteorologists, nuclear physicists, detectives, detectives. Put it on the resume. Yeah. Um. So yeah, there's a lot of good stories. I have a couple here. If we want to, if you want me to read through them real quick. Um, yeah. Well, I mean, first, I'll, I'll read through the list of places where there are nuclear power plants in Tennessee. We have one in Saddy Daisy, Tennessee, uh, one in Spring City, Tennessee, and one in Lenora, Tennessee. So, thanks, yeah, Jesse. That. We're all we're all super excited. Can you find all the seafood restaurants in Tennessee as well? <laughs> no, I refuse. It'll How about the shorter, li- shorter list? It'll be a shorter <laughs> list. So this one, this comment says, "My mother and grandfather used to mow the cemetery many years ago." They would tell stories of lanterns circling through the bushes and trees of the cemetery. My mother also said at night you can hear a cannon go off towards the church and then hear screams like in a war, Um, which is, you know, firsthand accounts, people that worked in the cemetery itself having these experiences, which I always like to hear. And there is another one over here as well. I'm just trying to find it. Um, somebody say something. Just watching Jesse try and catch. That was a good. I try to catch them off twice. Brennan says that Morristown is where they filmed the original Evil Dead. That is an awesome fact. Oh, really? Does that cabin actually stand in the woods, or was that just a set? No, that was an actual cabin. I do know that. Um, Hmm. It did burn down in between the first and the second movie, though, and they had to reconstruct it. I wonder if it still is out there. That'd be a fun trip. Highly suggest listening to Bruce Campbell's biography, autobiography um, or reading it because it goes into a lot of the making of that movie, which I found really interesting. That's one I've been meaning to do. And every time I have a credit on Audible, I always just use it on another one of the Warren books. <laughs> yeah. uh, so the other story I was looking for is says me and my fiance and a friend went out searching for scary places. We went to the graveyard and we didn't see anything until we were leaving. We saw an old lady crouching down and crying next to a stone. And then she literally disappeared right as they approached her. So I've seen this story like from three different people on amongst these. We see the Confederate soldiers. We see the shadow people here. It's a very active graveyard Um which I mean, a lot of graveyard graveyards are, but this place in particular seems uh, more active than others. It's a creepy and sad story about the old lady too. It's almost like she was in mourning or something, and her ghost is bent over crying. That's a sad yeah. or scary one. And we don't know. It could just be from a regular, you know, death in the family. It could be from the smallpox outbreak. It could be from the Civil War casualties. Uh, she could have jumped out a window seven times seven times yeah she could have done that Um, but the thing I find interesting is there's no like real names associated with the cemetery a lot of times you're you know they tell you who's haunting the place it's like this person's haunting this place because of blood and it's like well how do you know that and this place is just like here are the ghosts we see we know they're soldiers we don't know who the soldiers are we just know that they were soldiers based on the you know the can the cannon fire and the shots and the way they look while holding the lanterns and stuff like that. Doesn't that feel a little more real 
mm-hmm. kind of like the fact that everything that you just outlined soldiers on both sides and you know illness and everything is like this isn't tied to right uh, like everything we just talked about with like a potential serial killer it's mm-hmm. just like this whole place is like death and sadness and like there a lot of bad stuff happened here that feels like very real to me you know what i mean I Whereas think you're right. we, I mean, questioned, we questioned everything about the other and i'm not right wrong indifferent is not the point but like this one is just like no one's saying oh there's one psychopath that like r- terrorizes this whole place this is like this whole place is death and sadness right right and i think you're right where i find these stories a little more credible where they say that they see something, but they don't really know what it is. They see a woman, but or they see the shape of a woman. They see a shadow figure. They see something like that. I feel like that's more common and more likely than a lot of the civil war stories where they say, I see this person in particular, like this general is here on this, but it's like, well, how do you know it's definitely him? Well, I smell the cigar smoke. Well, everyone smokes cigars. So it's, it, you know, to me, it's, it's more believable if it's a, a more of a vague description of a ghost. Yeah. So if you're ever in, this town in Tennessee or this county, the two places to go are clearly you go to the Bethesda Cemetery or you just go over to the Jeremiah Lexer house. Next time, Rob. Next yeah. time we're in Tennessee. That's what I'll I'll go with I'll go with you. I'll be a little Nancy probably the whole time, but I'll go I'll go with you. <laughs> we'll go we'll uh we'll head we'll take a we'll rent a car, we'll head down to Hamlin County in the daylight because I don't know what their laws are. Like they're, yeah. they're little, they're little. It's unincorporated. I'm not going there against during, against during outsiders. <laughs> yeah, it's like you're from the north. Like I grew up in Mississippi. Leave me alone. <laughs> the, sh- the sheriff from seven towns over yeah. drive. Like I had to drive through six unincorporated cities to get here. Heard you were in town. Yeah. Oh, what man. are you doing here, Charlie? We just we lost our two listeners from Hamblin County, Tennessee tonight. And <laughs> Damn, that's ten percent of the population. <laughs> this is a show, Eric. We come on and we just roast wherever we're covering until we have no one listen to us anymore. I'm very familiar with niche content that uh, you just <laughs> you uh, talk shit about the people that are actually interested in what you're listening to. That's pretty much my that's that's my bag. That's what I do. Yeah. Speaking of which, while we're talking about, it, do you want to do you want to plug what you're working on in the next few months? Oh, I don't know if this is the appropriate uh, uh, audience, but I do appreciate it. We are in the midst of tons of fantasy sports content that uh, will be awesome for if if you are interested in ghosts, you probably like our content that Rob mm-hmm. and I produce in terms <laughs> of fantasy football because we are we are also a little bit out there in some of our takes and the way we approach fantasy sports, fantasy football season is actually crazily like year round and coming up soon. And um, pretty much may, I would say may is when it really, really kicks off. And uh, if you like this show uh, and kind of some of the way that these guys put out their content, you would probably like spike week, spikeweek.com. We have a YouTube channel, obviously that you can subscribe to Rob and I doing most of the content with a few other contributors, uh, lot of fun and uh uh definitely we are thoughtful in the way that these guys are thoughtful about about fantasy football you may not agree with absolutely everything that we say but uh i think that we think through things in the way that these three guys do i can tie these two together 
I figured it out. So Jeremiah Lexer is the equivalent oh is the equivalent of 2022 Will Fuller in best ball. <laughs> Does he exist? Okay. okay Does he exist? Fair. No one knows. He might not be real. Let the man retire in peace. <laughs> Without saying a word, Will Fuller's know. parents don't know where they are. <laughs> yeah. the, 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 it, this this guy is a, literally a ghost. That's a very good. That's a very good uh, comparison. He's in a barn ghost. in Talbot. Jumped out of a window seven times. Yeah, I hope uh, Will Fuller's okay. But I do enjoy your show. Actually, I, I made it a uh, part of my Sunday morning ritual because I work at a radio station on Sunday morning. So I'm always looking for something to watch. So before football started, I would watch you guys. So as soon as that, um, as soon as I get back in football mode, I'll be there doing that so appreciate you coming on eric uh, Dave, i appreciate you having me do we have any personal ghost stories this week that we want to <clears throat> yeah we got one uh i don't know is my connection does it seem a little yeah. better that's good, good since you took a break to do a lobster dance off camera <laughs> <laughs> so this one was sent in by stephanie a patreon member and this one's pretty good because it's actually a haunting that was witnessed by a member of her family in a location that we've covered recently. So from Stephanie, my mother told me about this place she knew growing up. It's called Surratt's house in Clinton, Maryland. Mary Surratt was hanged for her role in the Abraham Lincoln assassination and her ghost haunts the museum that used to be her house. However, rumor has it, according to the farmers who were there at the time, the soldiers who came to arrest Mary lynched her right there on the property. They immediately realized this was a mistake since the case was so high profile and the public demanded justice. Mary's body never left the farm. The woman who was hanged publicly days later was a body double. Ever since Mary's death, you can hear the footsteps coming up and down the stairs. My mother's aunt was the last person to rent the house before it was sold to the city to become a museum. My mother, her late brother, and her, their cousin stayed in the house and all heard the walking up and down the stairs as well as in the hallways. They would look and no one was there, but it would continue. My mother refused to go back while her aunt lived there. That's so, wild. Yeah. Pretty wild crazy. story from, from Stephanie A., who's an absolute hometown ghost story legend, leader of the Church of the Stephanies, co-leader. Thank you, Stephanie, for that story. That's a, that's a wild story. It is, because it has the, the conspiracy theory part mm. to it and this is actually from people who worked on the farm that were there when mary was hanged which is where was this again this was in uh maryland we oh. covered it in the dc episode i was her maryland. daughter good you always thought what i was gonna make a bad joke but we skipped it moving on oh okay i was gonna say yeah, her her mary's daughter haunts the white house because her daughter would go to oh i do remember her mentioning that during that episode yep yeah yeah so that's a very cool wild story what a story holy cow yeah um yeah that's gonna do it for for hamblin county and that crazy story jesse do you want to thank our patrons i do uh if you want us to read out your ghost story send it over via email or patreon or facebook wherever you want to send the message we pretty much we'll see all of those and uh we'll check it out good luck topping that one but we would still <laughs> like to hear them all anyways they don't have to be as crazy as that, but that is uh, that is an option. And then we also, um, if you if you choose to, you could record your ghost story and send it in. If the audio quality is good enough, we'll try to play it on the show. 
Anyways, uh, let's thank our VIPs. We have Allison V, Jeannie R, Justin T, Justin T again. We have Lisa J, Mallory K, Mike Oubliette, Blake. We have Mama Pops W, Robert H, Stephen V, Demon King, and Irish Assassin Gaming. Thank you so much to our VIPs. We also have Amby Rose, Anna C, Even Better Hometown Ghost Stories, Garrett, Lily, IDGIF, Batch. We have Jake V, Janice G, Marfire, Rachel B, Sarah C, Sarah C, Stephanie A, Sydney B, Al Capone, Anthony T, Ashley M, Brandon, uh, Brandon W, Brandon B, Captain McSlugs, Cody G, Eric S. Uh, that's I believe that's a new patron, so thank you so much, Eric, and welcome in. We have Huggy Bear, we have Joe R, we have Kiri Lee J, Mark M, Matthew T, Mariah M, Papa Squatch, Paul from St. Louis, Sarah R, Scotty L, Solar Flare, Soph M, and Hooper. For as little as $3 a month, you can join this list and make me read them for even longer. Eventually, this will be our entire show. And it, the more the more we get, the more I will teach Jesse how to say the word oubliette. Oubliette. Yes. Oubliette. <laughs> Anyways, uh, thank you guys so much for, for joining on Patreon. If you can't, then the other best way to support the show is, well, what Demon King and Matthew T usually do, which is donate a ton of money during YouTube, but you don't have to do that every week. We appreciate you guys for what you've done. But the other best way is leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. I've now seen that Spotify, you can leave like replies on on, on an episode. Yeah, which is kind of cool. So you can actually give your thoughts on that particular episode on Spotify. Mm -hmm. Um, Interesting. So So if you've already dropped a review, you could leave a review on any episode in particular and tell us what you thought about those. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, we, we did get a bunch of five-star reviews this past week, but none that actually wrote anything. So thank you for those of you who did give us the five stars, but if you want us to read it on air, we will at the end of the episode. Absolutely. Uh, Matthew T says, I'm going on a ghost walk this Friday, hoping for a story I can tell next week. We'll be, we'll be looking forward to that. Then there was another comment earlier that I wanted to pull up. I can't find it right now, but it was someone asking about, sending in their ghost stories. So like we just said, send it over on discord or via email. If you're not on discord, join the discord because mm-hmm. people go in there. We have discussions about ghosts. We have discussions about everything else as well. So jump in the discord. Everyone's very welcoming and uh, we would love to see you in there. Hell yeah. Thanks to everyone who joined over on Twitch, a little bit more of a live active group on Twitch today. So uh, shout out to sheesh and buzz who's here and Irish assassin for, sharing the stream again. And thanks to everyone who donated today. Thank you to Eric. You can follow Eric on Twitter. Is that your handle right there? Just Eric by him for? Yep. Yeah. It's That's E-R-I-K, it. For audio listeners, E-R-I-K-B-E-I-M-F-O-H-R. Obviously you would have guessed that, but there's the spelling for you. We'll have it in the show notes <laughs> as well. And where you can find them on spike week. Anything else gentlemen? Next week, we are going to Kent, Ohio, and we are covering several haunted locations there. Great. We get to go back to the worst state in the country. Not going to be a great episode. Yeah. Good. Great hauntings. Great hauntings in Ohio for sure. And this Friday, we're going to cover the Dybbuk box, which is not in a, well, it's in Las Vegas now, but kind of bounced around the country with the different stories. So Patreon members, you'll get that tomorrow. As for everybody else, you get that on Friday. And the next horror movie, do have we figured out what we're reviewing next? No. We haven't. But we are going to do a evil dead rise review i think the night it comes out or like the friday night we're gonna go see it we're gonna come back we're gonna record it and we're gonna post it right away awesome excited for that one should be fun i think that'll pretty much do it 
ladies and gentlemen uh eric thanks again for coming on and for everybody else we'll see you on friday and then back on tuesday 9 p.m eastern standard time for another live episode peace